It's time for Bring Your Own Lunch, a podcast for your whole face, with your host, Dave T. Koenig. Alrighty, come on in, have a seat, welcome. This is Bring Your Own Lunch at bringyourownlunch.com and the magic of iTunes. As you heard, my name is Dave T. Koenig. I'm an actor, writer, director, producer, comedian, and host of the very podcast you're listening to right now, Bring Your Own Lunch, a.k.a. B-Y-O-L, for the people out there who do really like acronyms, like me. This is Episode 2. We had some great response to Episode 1, and I'm thrilled to keep it moving. This week we have a terrific guest, one of the real good people in the business, Kathy Searle, who has been in everything and worked with everyone. And this week, the stars aligned, and it just so happens that this week, Kathy is starring in a new movie coming out called My Man is a Loser. It also stars Michael Rappaport, Brian Callen, Tika Sumter, and a guy you might have heard of named John Stamos. So she's got that coming out this week, and we talk a lot about that and get into some other stuff involving acting. And she has this great energy. I went to her apartment in New York City, and she's just like this bundle of energy, even though she's a, a tiny bit of a thing. And uh, it was fun sitting with her and talking to her, and I think you'll hear like the energy she gives off. Is, I just kind of fed off of that, and it was really, really cool. And she's, uh, location-wise, is smack dab in the middle of the city. It's so cool. Uh, and, and like many apartments in New York City, it's, it's, a, it's a very modest size, uh, 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 an apartment, and um, it, it fits her perfectly. And she's got this tiny little dog. And what was funny, uh, we set it up. I have my equipment here, you know, the recorder and some microphones and stuff. And, and she was gracious enough to uh, let me sit on her couch. And we set the uh, equipment up on her um, uh, coffee table. And she has this tiny little chair. Now, you assume walking in that the tiny little chair is for her tiny little dog. And, and I'm guessing most of the time it is. But she sat in this tiny, tiny little chair to do the podcast and allowed me to sit up on the couch. And I, I can tell you right now, if the situation were reversed... That would have never happened. So uh, just to give you an idea of the kind of person she is. She was very gracious and 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 very kind and 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 was hilarious. Uh, and 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 looking at her sit there in this tiny little chair that fit her perfectly was for me very uh, comical. And it's something you would never know listening to this podcast. But I figured I would I would share that little tidbit with you. Uh, Kathy and I uh, sort of have been, uh, I, I guess I say, the uh, Mutual uh, Appreciation Society through Facebook. Uh, she's the person, or the kind of person I've known for years at auditions, but it, it took a long time for actually, us to actually get to know each other. And that's a typical thing in acting. You go to auditions, you see a lot of the same people, you interact with them, you chat with them, uh, but not always do you actually... Uh, uh, learn who they are and and learn more about them. And she and I worked on a on a radio commercial a few months ago, and uh, it was good to finally connect all the dots and have like a really nice heart to heart. And I was like, I, I got to get her on the show. Uh, when I said this is something I wanted to do, and it just so happened that she's got this movie coming out, and it was really uh, very cool timing for all of it. And it's an exciting week for her, so I'm just happy to be part of it. Now the fact that I got uh, connected with Kathy through Facebook, probably before we actually really had formally met, is something that uh, I, I tell a lot of people about, it, especially if you're in the business, but any business really, that if you're if you're using social media intelligently, it can do a lot of things for you. It can it can help you uh, expand your relationships and foster those relationships as long as you're smart about it. 
Uh, obviously, there are plenty of examples recently of people being stupid on social media. Uh, and I'm not pointing my finger at anybody specifically. I think, you know, you can find the stories of people who just, you know, maybe didn't use uh, a lot of forethought before they actually sat and typed something into Twitter or on Facebook or what have you. Um, but I think used properly, social media can be great. And get, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast and you're into podcasts, you probably have a little bit of knowledge about computers. So therefore, I'm assuming that you are also on social media. There's another effect that happens, though. I treat Facebook and Twitter like an extension of my professional persona. I don't think I have a phony persona online, but I think I just use it as an extension of me as a professional. Uh, and I, it's definitely not something I use to uh, uh, tell you all about what I had for lunch that day. Unless there was something particularly funny about it. Uh, or to just detail the minutiae of my life. I like to probably be more interested in entertaining you if I post something on Twitter or Facebook. Or plug something. Because honestly, let's be honest. You know, I, I gotta make a buck. But, the side benefit that I've found from Facebook is that it really has um, bridged the gap for me in my adult years to who I was when I was a kid. And uh, being friends with Kathy and, and thinking about what to talk about leading up to her, it made me think about this. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of the people who I knew in high school uh, as adults. And there was a big gap there where I didn't really talk to too many people I went to high school with. I think I went through that typical thing in the tw you know, when you're in your 20s and you, you, uh, you know, you're like, I hated everybody and I just wanted to be somebody new. And that's kind of what I went through. And then having gotten to know people uh, as adults and, and peers that way, I, I realize, eh, you know, that, that everybody's just people. And for the most part, everybody is just trying to live their lives. And, and no matter what conflicts I might have had uh, when I was younger, it, it doesn't matter now. <sighs> Drinking some water. So recently, somebody uh, who I went to school with posted a picture. Uh, the picture was, um, I think it was four girls who were in a modern dance recital. And modern dance recitals was a big thing at my high school, mostly because there were girls wearing uh, leotards on stage. And, and when I was young, that was about uh, as close to um, uh, skin as you were going to get. You know, it was a, it was a more honest, uh, a more um, gentle time. It was a more modest time. That's what I'm trying to say. And I looked at this picture, and pretty much every girl in it I had had a crush on at one point or another. Uh, and, and you know, believe it or not, I was not prom king. So, you know, I, a lot of those crushes were unrequited. But looking at that picture now, as an adult, looking back, uh, the, the girls were super, super adorable. But they looked so young. And I thought to myself, you know, I've gotten over all of that stuff. But, you know, I thought to myself, you know what? This just proves my thinking that, like, you just get away from things long enough. It all turns into a, a more meaningless part of your life. I don't, I don't know if I'm being unfair by saying that. Maybe I should rephrase that. It the, the specific things that were so big to you at one point in your life, you get far away enough from it. And you realize that. It's not as big when taken in the context of your whole life. Like my unrequited crushes when I was 16 years old, they were huge when I was 16. But now it's like, uh, this is silly. And looking at those girls now, it's like they, we were all babies. So what was the big deal? So if you find yourself getting stuck on what's going on and you know, what went on in high school, uh, think of that and realize that 
all you got to do is kind of look back sometimes and realize we were all just kids and none of it matters now. We are in week two of this, and if you want to get on board and be involved, I'm more than happy to entertain your uh, suggestions for advertising. You can send an email to advertising at bringyourownlunch.com. Got a couple of people to thank. The music at the beginning, the middle, and the end of this show is provided by Banuba, B-A-N-O-O-B-A dot net, and they're a terrific live band uh, who were kind enough to lend their talented uh, selves and their uh, music that the that talent created to this show, and I'm awful happy to uh, be uh, partnering with them. So go do check them out. There's a link to their uh, stuff on uh, the bringyourownlunch.com website. Also, uh, coming up on July 28th, not sure when you're listening to this, but July 28th, 2014, 8 p.m. at this theater, 154 West 29th Street, the New York short film shootout premiere event. It's a short film showcase for people who have short films and want to see them uh, being shown in front of live actual people. Uh, it's something I'm co-producing with Vinnie Petrosini, and uh, so far the response has been great. We have a lineup of five films that I think you will enjoy. Uh, find us on Facebook, New York Short Film Shootout. And, uh, of course, I mentioned this theater, 154 West 29th Street, a uh, terrific venue that uh, was once the home of the People's Improv Theater, but now under the same ownership called this theater. They're going through uh, a little contest to figure out what their name is going to be. So, for now, go to thistheater.com. And I will update you on when that name, uh, when the name of that uh, venue does change. So let's get into it. Here's my interview with the amazing, wonderful, and you'll find out phenomenal Kathy Searle, star of My Man is a Loser. Enjoy. The sound of a soft air conditioner. The sound of a soft air conditioner. We said we didn't want to sound like a radio station, but we but sound we like are. a soft rock FM station. <laughs> yes, coming to, to you live. I used to work at a soft FM station. Did you? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I did news, but I didn't. <gasps> like with Delilah, I love Delilah. We had our own version. This <laughs> is <just> funny. <laughs> we, we we had our own version of Delilah. We call. Oh, what was it called? It was it was a love song show, and you can call up and do dedications. Oh, that's awesome. But it was it was um, hosted by a guy who was an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, John Tash. John Tesh was the host. <laughs> he would play his own music and re- so interview good. himself um, and be Canadian. Oh, John Tesh, no. Jo- All right, we're, we're really kind of going back and forth here. Um, John, John Tesh grew up in the same town as my mom, and she babysat him. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. So- Isn't that random? <laughs> Isn't that I love that. That's her one-woman show. That is I babysat mom's, John mom, Tesh. You, mom, you forgot to do a one-woman show. <laughs> it's not too late, but... You better get on it. Yes. So, yeah. so the guy who hosted the Love Lines type show, yeah, it was a guy named uh, I, I won't give his real name, but his on-air name was Jay Letterman. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's clever. That's a that's a tough life. That, it, <laughs> did he choose in, that name? I, yeah, I bet you he did. Unless, but was, I'm not surprised if he didn't. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people confuse him. A lot of people. <laughs> I think he wanted a lot of people to confuse them, <laughs> but he was so soft-spoken. You know? I like it. Yeah, I always, yeah. I always like that voice. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> let's get a call from Steve. Steve, yeah. who do you call want to get a on the air? To? Yeah, we're talking to Jay Letterman, <laughs> but he was the nicest guy. So I, I don't want to laugh. It. I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing with with you, Jay Letterman. Yeah, I'm not me even too. Sure he's still there. Well, listen, I think, you know, I mean, being compared to David Letterman is kind of awesome. Yeah. 
but they couldn't be more dissimilar yeah. in any way, shape, or form because because he was so laid back. Yeah. Yeah, nothing bothered him. No. He was all right. Whatever. Because he's Jay Letterman. I'm Jay Letterman. Nothing bothers me. Someone just cut my arm off with a scimitar, oh. and that's fine. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm sitting here with. On Kathy. that note. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kathy. Hi. So um, I have an obsession with people's names and whether yeah. or not people in the business butcher them. Oh, yeah. What happens to your last name? Okay, well, so my name is Kathy Searle, and it's spelled S-E-A-R-L-E. And I get Sorel. When I was younger, it used to be Surly. Surly, yes. Or Squirrel. <laughs> which was always weird because I was like, where's the Q and the U, guys? And the, wanted it to be squirrel. Uh, I mean, yeah, it just never made sense to me. <laughs> so I would be like Kathy Squirrely. <laughs> and they add the little They e would in add, the yeah. As if like turning it into a completely different word yeah. wasn't enough. They had to like do that little inflection on the end to make, oh, yeah. to make it classy. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's who I am. I'm a class act <laughs> with a capital K. Now, what, what uh, did, did uh, is that your given name? Yeah, Kathleen Cheryl Searle. Well, Doesn't did, it just roll off the tongue? It's actually kind of, it's nice. Thank you. It's very nice, but it, it actually sounds um, made up. It's so yeah. nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I know, well, back in the day, I wanted to be a newscaster. My mom's maiden name is Coglin, oh. and I thought, Ooh, Kathy Coglin sounds like such a newscaster. News Team Six with yeah. Kathy Coglin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally no about like, it. I'm gonna use that name. That's gonna be my newscaster name. But you ended up going with your real name. I kept it. Yeah, I kept my real name. What was the decision there? Like, <laughs> uh, did you did did you intend that or did it kind of? Um, I mean, I I love the last name Searle too. It's a great name. Yeah, you know, it, Coglin is so Irish too. True. So I think, and even the way that name is spelled. It's people would say Coughlin, mm -hmm. you know, it, no matter what, somebody's going to butcher my last name. Yeah. There's a guy who played <laughs> for uh, the uh, Marlins, the, the Florida Marlins. With yeah. The last name, and he went Coglin. Oh, really? And I, I always thought that was interesting that, that they pronounce the G part because yeah. usually that gets, you know, nobody says lug. No. They say laugh, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> I would like that. I think you should start that trend. Lug. I'm lugging right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am lugging all over the floor. Rather than LOLing. I hate that. Oh, I that, do. Yeah. LOL is my pet peeve. It, 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 I think it's a Just lot write ha ha ha. Yeah. I, that's my go-to. <laughs> Me too. When I first learned to, to um, you know, instant message with people, there was a dude named Mike who I worked with and he would do ha 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 ha. Yeah. And I was like, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was pre-L. Well, I always thought LOL was lots of love. So I'm clearly dating myself that I didn't realize that it was laugh out loud. That's actually kind of funny and also makes you sound even nicer. Oh, that's thank you. Well, because, you know, you're like, you know, you have that on the mind rather than like <laughs> I'm laughing at you. Yes. That's pretty cool. I'm used to people laughing at things that I'm saying because it's <laughs> ridiculous. Everything coming out of my mouth is ridiculous. <laughs> you do have that sort of spirit. Oh, thank you. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know you that well and i don't yeah. know like i haven't hung around after you today you will that's true doing right? this podcast in your apartment no less <laughs> I which know. i do want to talk about oh well yes please because i everything i look at there's something more interesting and it's and i'm going to try to make it podcast friendly to talk about thank but, you yes um, please well let's talk about it you first first things first and i don't want to give away. i live in a studio apartment that's fine because yeah. you're in new york city yeah, but it's not just the fact because they say real estate is all about location and it is without giving away too much of your personal life <laughs> you are in the heart of everything i am i'm very lucky i've lived here for 14 years wow yeah and if you you'll hear well you hear the soft sound of an air conditioner behind <laughs> us but you'll hear the sound of construction 
Um, people ask me what gets me up in the morning and it's the sound of a jackhammer every day. It's been two years. Sounds delightful. That it really is. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like they're in the bed with me, which is a little, <laughs> little frightening. Um, but I've been, yeah, I've been dealing with that for two, almost two years. That's a lot of work. It is. Now, They've gutted the entire, they're making a brownstone, like a one, I think a one family. There's a lot of money on this block. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's also the poop block. People forget to pick up after their dogs. That's terrible. It is. And I have a dog and I think it ain't that hard. No. Get down and pick it up. No. I mean. Throw it's, it in the trash. It's the probably, probably as, it's almost stupid easy. Yeah. You know. It is. It. That, that's depressing. I know. Because it's a, it's a really nice block. It's gorgeous. We are not going to say exactly which block. No, no. So you've been here for 14 years. <laughs> 14 so, years so in the you, same apartment. And my wife, before we actually got married, lived yeah. uh, on 8th Avenue just a few blocks down. Oh, really? Yeah. So you guys were, you know, is, is the neighborhood okay to, to mention? Yes. Chelsea. Specific. Chelsea. Yeah. So, yeah, she lived in Chelsea uh, when she lived in Manhattan, and I sort of by proxy lived there for a little while. Yeah. It's a great area. It's fantastic. Some of the best restaurants, yeah. the best people, now the best schools, too. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have people saying to me, can I get on your, you know, your lease and I can use your name to get my child into the Chelsea school system? That's pretty cool. And I say, what? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. It makes you, it makes you I mean, feel I'm, important, right? Thank yeah, you. But yeah. yeah then, no, I'm terrified of that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a <laughs> lot I don't of want to get in trouble. Yeah. You, the, the, the truant police will come yeah, by. Somebody's going to show up at my door and say, where is the kid? I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know the kid. Oh, let me, let me look around. Yeah, I do. I have a lot. My apartment is... Um, um, there's just, there's a lot happening. There's, there's, a a, lot of cool there's 14 years in here. That's the thing. <laughs> it does look like a well, uh, well lived place. Yeah. <laughs> like you've, you've put a lot of love into this place. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Like they're one of the cool things I'm, I'm noticing. And again, this is a podcast, so it's not like I can really get a lot of visuals in here, Yeah. but you have this, like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an homage to Dr. Seuss, I suppose. Yes. Um, oh, the places you'll go. It, the phrase, oh, the places you'll go, only every letter is made up of a different part of a different license plate from a different state. Yes. That's very, where did that come from? Um, I actually became sort of obsessed with um, license plates and whatnot. You'll see my shower curtain is license plate. Oh, really? And so I have uh, these words like believe and uh, the phrase, oh, the places you'll go, that I purchased on Etsy. Oh. There's an amazing woman that will make these phrases for you out of old license plates. And it's just so cool. And to me, that particular book, it's so funny. I feel like I was given it when I was a senior in high school mm -hmm. and a lot of people are given that book. Yeah, it's kind of a cliche almost, but... It really is. And I picked it up for the first time about two and a half, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading it and thinking, wow, this man was way ahead of his time. He really was. And it really affected me. And now I just, I feel like I reference that book all the time and I now give it as gifts, no matter how old you are. It's just, you it, might just get the Dr. Seuss book or the places you'll go. It's a very nice gift. It really, you know? and it resonates with you no matter what you do yes. in life. If you're yes. an actor, entertainer, whatever, it's, even if you're a lawyer, it's, you know, it's just... That's how I feel about there's a walket in my pocket. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, like, if, the genius of Dr. Seuss also, and if, and, and, you know, if we can relate this to acting. Yes. I found that when I started reading to my kids, and mm -hmm. I love reading Dr. Seuss stuff, you really do focus on cadence. And yes. Repetition, and they're really good practice yeah. for voiceovers. Oh yeah, and Shel Silverstein. Yeah, and, that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 Dr. Seuss, especially if you're if you think about somebody who's just learning to read, 
to, to, to look at the same words over and over, it just makes things easier. And you, you, you take it for granted, I guess, if you're not thinking about it in those terms. But well, the English language especially. I don't envy people that have to learn the no. English language. It's very difficult. Annoyingly so. Yeah, there's things that don't make sense. I remember when I was a kid and my mom was teaching me the word friend. Mm -hmm. And she would say, think of it like fry your end. But I said, <laughs> but that doesn't make sense. It would be F-R-Y, right? Yeah, exactly. No, it's F-R-I. And I thought, oh, Lord, this is, this is going to be tough. Absolutely. <laughs> but know, I always remember that. Fry your end, Fry, friend. It obviously worked. <laughs> like, Thanks, mom. Like when I when I, I I I didn't do a lot of studying for the SAT, but I did read one. Me book. neither. Like the first five pages, I really poured over those first five pages. Of that, that SAT you get two hundred points for spelling your name. <laughs> I, done. Um, but I remember they they were going over some words that might appear uh, on an SAT, and I'm like, uh, they gave like twenty words, and I'm like. There probably will be more than this, but I just yeah. look at these 20, I'll be fine. <laughs> so one of them was avuncular, and they said, you can remember avuncular because it means funky like an uncle. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even I don't know. What does it mean? Avuncular it? means kind of like an uncle. Like, all right. Th that dude and is sort of avuncular in my life, and that he he's sort of like an uncle to me. Oh, how funny. But they said that funky word like stayed with you. Absolutely. The things we learn. Like, yeah. If we can only, like, condense all those little silly things that that stuck with us and teach that way oh, I think I we'd know. be so much better off you I know, know. Um, alright so let's talk about 14 years ago Yes. You got, it, was that your first New York City apartment? Yes. I sort of couch surfed a little bit when mm -hmm. I first came to the city and I came um, here from where? I came here from Westchester I grew up in New okay. Rochelle Okay. and uh, I moved to the city yeah about 14 and a half years ago but this was my first apartment and I had a roommate at the time in this place? In this, yeah. I've actually had many people, it is a studio apartment, but a lot of people have crashed here mm -hmm. um, for like months. Friends of mine that have stayed with me. Because wow. the, the food, I, you had a futon and it would pull out into like a bed and mm -hmm. it was actually really kind of fun. It felt very dorm-like. That makes My sense. first few years and I had like little Chinese screens. I mean, granted the apartments changed quite a bit over the years, but... It was great. It was kind of this crazy, fun apartment that people would come to. And even though it's really tiny, everyone always sort of felt like it was filled with lots of joy and, and fun times. I, I always have great that. memories here. That's great. Yeah. Um, now, okay, so so you grew up in Westchester. I did. What did did you uh, have an acting interest early on? Oh yeah, yeah. This was um, something I've always wanted to do. I started actually when I was a kid. I started like, professionally when I was about twelve years old. Okay. Um, but I was begging my parents when I was younger. I remember going in for the movie Fatal Attraction oh my when gosh. I think I was like eight years old. Wow. And all I remember is that the casting director, I think, had come out. And was very nice to my mom and said, you know, I think she's really talented. She's very funny. Because I didn't understand the movie Fatal Attraction. <laughs> I think, I thought it was a comedy, which goes to show like... So it's, yeah, it's like... I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, because it was like fat ale. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like, I had no idea what it was. And, but the casting director was like, yeah, she's really, she's very funny. She's got a lot of personality. And so I begged, begged, begged. And my mom and dad were kind of like, well, we just don't want you to experience rejection and take it to heart, etc. Yeah. It's really hard. So yeah. finally, when I was 12, I was like scouted by a manager, a children's management company. And they finally agreed and started to take me for auditions and started in the commercial world when I was about 12 years old. And it was great. That's interesting. You know, I, I grew up on Long Island and yeah. I had a similar um, 
Although by 12, I think I was starting to get awkward. So just slightly before that, I, I used to come in for auditions and stuff like that. And I read for um, the part of the kid in, in Dick Tracy. That was probably <gasps> oh the biggest thing God. I ever read for. Oh, that's so um, cool. But but it's true that it's like it. a lot of kids just brush it off. They don't yeah. they don't they don't know the difference. No. Um, but but when you get to a certain age, it's like you can start to feel a little bit intimidated by other kids, especially if the other kids have a lot of confidence. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. they're working. I mean, I used to audition and see Melissa Joan Hart, oh. Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, wow. Those gals were like in my my world and they were stunning, working, I mean, steadily working actresses. So I was very intimidated because they started when they were five, six years old. And I thought, sure. oof, I am way behind on this one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was really funny to see and now watch their careers just flourish. And they were super talented then. And I'm, it makes me happy and it, it makes me feel very hopeful that they have steady careers now later on in life too. Sure, so. sure. Did you did you stay with it from 12 on or did I you did. break it up at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, I sort of stepped away from it. Uh, you know, it slowed down because once I got to be 16, people were very confused by me. Mm. They looked at me and they thought, how old is she? Which is still the same thing I sort of struggle with now sure. where I have the kind of older woman's voice mm -hmm. and then they would look at my face and be like what is mm. that what is going on there so i was going up for like 23 year old roles when i was 16 because really? i my voice would really confuse oh, people okay because like if if you if someone saw you walking down the street i don't think they'd put you older than you are they would probably think oh much yeah younger. I, who knows now? I, I'm even confused by my age. I, I, I can <laughs> I've run the though. gamut. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm... Character actors, we kind of... We do. We confuse people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to sometimes kind of back off of my own voice. Yeah. And, and not dumb it down, but, <laughs> but, but make it a little less kind of uh, crisp and, yeah. and, and use a little less dictation. Yeah. Dictation is that the word? The, uh, the, the articulation, articulation, yes. enunciation. Yeah, yeah. Not dictation. Enunciation. Yes. yes. Sorry. Because <laughs> I, mean, I remember that because of dictation. That's yes. how I remember that from when I was a kid. See, uh, <laughs> all the things that you're remembering. So stupid. It's all coming back. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it is difficult when you when you kind of feel that you're trying to find, especially early on. I'm sure you yeah. remember. Now you had the interesting then um, experience of, of kind of going through your developing years and then kind of just continuing on. Yeah. Um, so you, you at some point found your voice, but you've been yes. probably constantly having to change it. Constantly. Um, and changing my look. And I mm -hmm. mean, I feel like I really have run the gamut. Uh, when I got out of high school, I went to an acting conservatory here in the city, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Mm -hmm. And when I finished company um, in 2000, I sort of came out of school not knowing necessarily who I was. I mean, you know, as a 21-year-old, you're like, what you, the... You don't know anything. Yeah, what's yeah. going on? Who am I? So I was changing my look and people were kind of, again, confused by me. I think I had like platinum blonde hair oh, wow. when I came out of school. Uh, I think I wanted to be Gwen Stefani from No Doubt, which was not the case at all. We all wanted to be Gwen we, Stefani back then. I think I still want to be Gwen I Stefani. I still have some of those half shirts. Oh. <laughs> the crop tops. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, so <laughs> at what point did you... Now, during that time, you you had you said you had been recruited by a manager and you... you yeah. 
Um, who who was that? And and, and Jay Mitchell happened? Management was okay. my manager when I was a kid, and they were amazing. They yeah. really were phenomenal. And then I worked with uh, Jan Jarrett was my agent, and I had other agencies as well when I was a kid, and they were incredible. I mean, Jay Mitchell especially was very very much on my side. They explained the business to me. Mm. I think as a kid and especially for my parents, it was great having the quote unquote middleman and the manager being that yeah. because they really helped navigate the industry for us. That's a, that's a role that I think a lot of people don't understand about managers. Yes. Cause, cause oh, people ask of, me that question all yeah. the time. So, so how do you define manager? Well, now it's changed so drastically. I think it doesn't matter if you have a manager or agent or both at this point. Um, I think that either or is great. And if you have both, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times it comes down to actors say, oh, well, then I'm losing more money, you know, more percentages coming out of the check, which is true. Mm -hmm. But you also have a really great team of people behind you. And I think that is fantastic. It's like a company that has only one salesperson versus having a sales team. Yeah. It's and nice to have like a support group right, behind you. You're going to have to pay out more commissions, but yeah. you know that, and, and, and if you're not uh, familiar with what we're talking about, if you have an, an agent, mm-hmm. that is a specific role. And, and like Kathy said, there's the things have changed dramatically where traditionally the agent was the person who went out and got you auditions. Yes. The manager, well, back when you were starting, the manager was what was the middleman they were talking to the agent and then they would call us so we never really had much interaction with the agents they would always call with the appointments they would explain how to dress etc so it was really it was great to have them so it's like the the the, the title says it was they were managing your career yes and they weren't just looking out specifically for commercials you know it was everything commercial were, film yeah. tv theater the whole they were the whole shebang their, their eye on the whole picture for yes you. Yeah. And um, there, there are agents that handle commercials. There are agents that handle voiceovers. There's agents that handle uh, legit what, what we call theater, TV, film. Yes. And those don't usually intersect. So the manager can be the person who can look at all three and, and keep it all straight. Yeah. yeah. And really um, look at the overall arc of your career. Yeah. Nowadays, nowadays, the manager takes pretty much what... Uh, an agent does also. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now how, you were in the business when that all transitioned mm-hmm. to, in your opinion. Sort of, I guess. Well, I was in college when I, I feel like that was, it was that long changing. Ago. I, yeah. I don't mean to date you, but I, no, no, I, that's I, okay. Age you. Yeah. Um, but, but that's how long ago you felt it, it started to change. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it changed when I was in college or maybe afterwards during the strike. Mm. During the writer's strike, I oh, think that was, strike, okay. yeah, the writer's strike, which was, I want to say in like 2000, 2001, right? Or a little bit after that, because the, the actor's strike was what, 99, 2000-ish? Oh, right. Maybe I'm thinking of the actor's strike then. Yeah. I can't, yeah, then I was still in school, but okay. I, so maybe then it was changing. Right. And, and somehow managers were able to then get actors auditions. Yeah. And I, what we're saying about percentages is that. Uh, you pay your manager 10% of what mm-hmm. you earn. You pay an agent 10% of what you earn. If you have an agent and a manager, you give away 20% of what you earn. Yeah. But like you said, it's having a good team behind yeah. you is what's really important, um, especially these days when everything is so kind of up in the air. Yeah, it's important. I mean, you really, with representation, you have to have you have to have people that believe in you mm-hmm. and trust that even when you're not booking and making them money, they still see 
a career for you. It's not just like, oh, well, this year you haven't booked, so we're going to drop you or right, whatever. Right. They're looking at the overall picture. Yeah. I've been very, very fortunate that I that I have that both commercially and with legit. So let's talk about that. You 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 kind of finished your career as a child actor mm -hmm. and you transitioned to being an adult actor. Yeah. How did you end up working with um, a manager agent and, and whatever combination as an adult? I... I started doing a play. I created a play with Ken Davenport and various other phenomenal actors called The Awesome 80s Prom. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's slow down a second. <laughs> All right. See, this is this goes into where you and I don't know each other well, <laughs> so a lot can come out here. Yes. Okay, so you are the person who's behind The Awesome 80s Prom. Yeah, well, myself, and, and I think there were 16 of us. But you were in, you yes. were at the genesis of that project. Uh, yes, I came in. I was actually, yes, I was the sort of, I don't want to say second generation because I was first generation because they workshopped it. And then I came in uh, along with, I think, eight or nine other actors. And we then created it and then started doing it at Webster Hall. Oh, my god! Some of the best times in my life. I'm still friends with, I would say, all of the people that we did that show with i'm sure because i mean well all right i met my best us, friends there tell phenomenal. us what awesome 80s prom is for anybody who might not be familiar uh and it's come back too right right it right, closed right. but now it's come back which is really exciting the awesome 80s prom is basically sort of like a tony and tina's wedding it's an interactive show but it's 1989 and you were at the prom and you've got various characters, you know, the nerds, the sort of archetypes of classic John Hughes-esque movies. And we're vying for winning prom king and queen and the, the popular cheerleaders. And it was it's great. The music was phenomenal. I mean, every great 80s song, Journey and Bon Jovi. That's Gosh, awesome. it was so good. And I played the spaz, Carrie Kowalski, and I had headgear and glasses. Did you originate that role? Did I you did. Kind of, did, you, did. Did you create that role? I did. Mary Faber actually was the initial Carrie Kowalski. She okay. came in and she was sort of like at the table reads. Okay. Um, and I love Mary. Mary's a good friend of mine. Um, and then I stepped in when we were actually doing it for the off-Broadway production. So it was really phenomenal to come in and, and create something that's with amazing. Ken Davenport and the other amazing actors. So for this, the audience would just kind of go into Webster Hall and, and not know. Yeah, they would not know what they were in for. That's a, that that I love that theater like that is pretty amazing. Oh, it's as so it exciting! And yeah, it's a challenge. I've done uh, similar shows where you you just never know what's going to happen. You oh have yeah, to be on your feet the whole time, <laughs> literally, and the, I guess uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, you have to be on your feet the whole time <laughs> yeah. in every way. You've um, got to be on your toes, improving with people that don't do improv. Right. And right. you have to make them believe that you are who you are and incorporate them in your world. So it was the best improv training I could have ever had. I mean, Absolutely. I started at Upright Citizens Brigade like back in 2000. I was taking classes mm -hmm. there, 2000, 2001. And that was, honestly, I don't think I would have booked Awesome 80s Prom if it wasn't for studying at UCB and being able to really create and work in that environment, because back in the day, UCB, it wasn't just actors that were doing the improv classes. I was in an, a level 101 with lawyers, doctors, oh, writers. So it was amazing. So you were improving with people that didn't know what they were doing. Interesting. And they were amazing. I mean, some of these people, 
I still connect with on who, Facebook. Who, was there anybody in that first class? We're jumping around a little bit. That that's totally cool. So let's talk about uh, the early part of UCB. Yeah. When you, when you started there, do you do you know who? Uh, oh, was I remember in the class? all my teachers. Um, oh, teachers, of course. The teachers were amazing. I had Brian Husky. Okay. Seth Meyer. Uh, sorry, Seth Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Morrison, I think. Oh God, am I saying his name wrong? I might be. Um, it's Cyril. <laughs> That's terrible. You can edit that out, right? No, we yeah. can't. It's podcast. Uh, sure, I'll edit it, Kathy. Um, oops. I'm forgetting <laughs> teachers' names. Billy Merritt was one of my teachers. Okay, sure. Um, Paul Shear. Mm-hmm. Like these, I don't want to curse, but these effing great you teachers. Can, you can curse, but the, 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 so the idea is there. Yes. And, and had you done an improv before you went to UCB? No. Interesting. No. I mean, in college, everyone said, hey, you're funny. I think you should really pursue this. And, and in an acting time. conservatory, there's a lot of dramatic theater that you're sure, doing. Sure, And so I did feel a little out of my element because I always wanted mm-hmm. to make things funny. Sure, sure. Um, at, at that time in the city, UCB was a fairly new phenomenon. Very much so. It was yeah. right down, yeah. It was, it was in the original theater. Yeah. Um, was it church basement? Not church basement, but it was, um, what was, what was above it or what was around it? It was down the street. Oh, it was literally <laughs> down the street from where <laughs> Yeah. But don't look up where UCB I know. I'm like giving up my location. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool. I mean, like Amy Poehler would pop in, but that, you know, back then. She wasn't Amy She wasn't. I mean, she was, but she wasn't. She was huge in the improv world. And I think she had maybe just started doing SNL. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That was about then. Because I was was doing an improv group that was a short form group Mm -hmm. in the city. And that was sort of how I got back into doing any kind of performing. That's another completely different story. Um, But I remember that was around the time that they were saying, yeah, Amy Poehler just got. So improv was starting to become recognized as a viable thing. Oh, yeah. Um, What about the people in the class? Did did any of them continue on? Um, Not really. Not really. I mean, there were there are a few. Uh, that are still acting. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them weren't really, they just wanted to do it for proper bedside manner, which I loved. We had a couple doctors that were doing it so they could interact with patients. That's a good idea. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I was like, like I want to go to you for a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, God forbid a doctor should listen to you, but that's a great way for them to learn how. Yeah. Um, how far did you go with classes at UCB? I think I went up to level three or four. Okay. Yeah. And anybody, anybody who stuck with it and was at the level four level, because because back then, if you kind of got to level four, people started would have started to weed out. Yeah. And and you kind of had the cream of the crop at that point, especially back then. Oh yeah. So you know what? I don't anybody? remember. That's terrible. No, it's not terrible. It's a little well, short term memory. It's the first to go. <laughs> Thirteen year <laughs> short term memory. <laughs> but everybody was really cool. Yeah, that was a, just a really great. That was such a great time. It was exciting and it was new mm-hmm. and and. It really did. It, it helped me t- tremendously. I always recommend to every actor I meet, do improv or stand up. Just if you some, can do some that. form of it. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with that. Um, actually, I think a lot of stand-ups and improvisers should take acting classes also. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a different conversation. All right, so you're in uh, act, uh, uh, Awesome 80s Prom. Yes. And somehow that led you to representation. Yeah, I fortunately got hooked up with Atlas Talent. Noah mm-hmm. Weisberg was also in the original Awesome 80s Prom. I didn't know that either. Yes, wow. yeah, he helped create uh, Lewis, the, the nerd. And um, he was with them, and I believe that I just sort of sent them my demo. Okay. They listened to it. I had a meeting with them and we started working together and we just celebrated 10 years. 
together. And just you've just worked with them for VO, right? VO and on yeah. camera. Oh, on camera. Okay, so yeah. Um, and then I've been with Abrams for I want to say about five years for theatrical. Which is great. I mean, yeah, that, that, phenomenal. You can't really do much better than than those. Yeah, I really. I mean, I'm I'm so I'm hashtag blessed. Um, <laughs> That's, I really see, that's that may be my LOL. I know. <laughs> I know. I hate when people do that, but I, I really just felt like doing it. Um, yeah, I've been so lucky with my representation that even when I'm not booking, they still believe in me. And I do. I think that's so, so important. And I really did. I mean, not to be cheesy and say like, I'm, I'm really blessed, but I really am. I really lucked out with the the people that I'm working with that well, they do knowing knowing me. that even you say like even when I'm not working but you do have a really good track record for being somebody yeah. who works a lot and Thank I think you. you're you're well respected and I think a lot of people uh not like, after to this podcast well that's no. true we kind of ruined <laughs> that's my goal for this bring your own like, lunch oh, really refers gosh. to the fact that from this point forward no one's going to miss you. Any. It's all downhill. It's all downhill. <laughs> um, um, I think people want to see you succeed. You're the kind of person. Oh, I hope. Thank I think you. So. I, 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 every, every um, occasion I've had to interact with you and, and, and see you around other people, you get that sense about some people in the business, you know, everybody hates that person. <laughs> they may treat oh, that I person well. You are the exact opposite. Oh, thank you're on the you. opposite end of things. Thank you. Um, that makes me very happy to hear that. I'm happy to say it. You know, I, <laughs> I, don't, you. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, just to blow smoke, even though it makes my podcast seem more important if I think you're great. So, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> so, keep blowing smoke. I like it. That's right. Keep doing it. Um, Enough about me. What do you think about me? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of my hair? Um, so, Awesome Eddie's Prom led to some representation mm -hmm. and then. Um, and you then were, led to the next off-Broadway show that I did with was? Ken Davenport, uh, which was my first time. My first time. Yes, we Tell did that at that New World one. Stages. That was all true stories based on people losing their virginity. Interesting. Yeah, based from this oh. website and a book that was called My First Time. And Ken took all of these really interesting stories and put them together. And we workshopped it and then started doing it at... New World Stages. Actually, when it was Dodgers Stages, and then it became New World Stages. That's and we did that for three years. It was amazing. You, you And to have a gig that lasts three years these days. I did Awesome 80s Prom for three and a half, and then my first time for three years. That's amazing. Yeah. How, how much of that's for, for, not without specifics, but how much of that uh, was paying you enough to... You know, what? Well, because like it wasn't every night. Yeah, 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 it wasn't every night. Awesome 80s prom. We started, I think, at three nights, then it was two, then it was one. Oh. And my first time, it was the same thing where it was like, I think, three, two, one um, over the course of, of the many years that I was doing it. So yeah. luckily, I was able to do voiceovers and then commercials and then the legit really started to pick up, which, mm -hmm. was, which was great. And, was and I, legit was really through commercials. It's always interesting when that works. And, and, and for people, and I say that as somebody who was doing commercials for a long time mm -hmm. and was like, why can't I get anywhere that's legit? But yeah. you seem to have an easier time getting, like bridging that gap. How did that I work I think, out? well, you know, every office seems to have a TV in their, their casting office mm. and they look up and they see someone on the screen and it's like, who is that person? Right. How, why don't I know that person? Right. So I had done a New York lotto spot that suddenly got me indoors with legit casting directors. Am I, am I remember the right, the one we're talking about? It was you. It was Adrian Hernandez. Yes, uh, Martinez. Mar Martinez, not yes. Adrian Hernandez. Adrian Hernandez is a baseball player. Um, <laughs> 
Adrian I have Martinez. not had the good fortune of working with him. And he's going crazy on the street. Adrian is brilliant. He is that spot when he screams, money! It's yeah. money falling. falling the and he's also the guy who did the discount double check thing with Aaron Rodgers. And yes. And super he's, nice guy. Uh, he's amazing and blown up. I yeah. mean, he is. He's a big deal. He's a star. Him. Yeah. But I knew that when I worked with him, too. I Because he had not just the personality, but mm-hmm. the heart of oh, I want to see this man succeed because yeah, he yeah. is amazing. And, yeah. and I love, you know, he's working with Will Smith and yeah. all these incredible with actors. It's so well-deserved. Walter Mitty and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Adrian, we think, we, we think you're great. Yes. Um, you should enough, do Dave's podcast. You. <laughs> I want to get him on. Um, he's so great, yeah. He, no, he's great. And, and that spot was very memorable to, me, memorable to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, I remember, uh, I don't remember who the guy was. Who? So you were standing. I was standing Adrian in the Martinez, window. Adrian Her- Martinez is, is on the floor, is on the, is on the ground. Yes. And I forgot Where how money Money is around. flying from the, flying the, the sky. Yes. And then I say, you know, let's get down there. And he says, oh, it's, my husband says it's got to be like one or two million. And then Adrian screams, money! Right. And everyone just starts running, and then the park is empty, and there's no money left. There's and no money left. Then the blank expression on my face. And, and what's amazing about that? Yes. And, and who's the who's your husband in that? Unfortunately, I cannot remember his name. That's okay. I have not seen him since, but I've worked with that director, Jim Jenkins, who I am a huge fan of. That was my very first spot with Jim Jenkins from O Positive Interesting. Productions, and um, he is, I think, the reason why I am doing commercials. That's that's all. Was that the first one you booked, or was that it the was, biggest? Um, that was probably, well, the first big one that I booked. I mean, I did like little things here and there when I got out of college, but that was definitely like a big one, a memorable one. Mm -hmm. And the DP worked on Titanic. Oh, And so when I heard that, I kind of shed a tear a little bit because I thought, oh, I'm going to look really nice in this spot. (laughs) Thank you so much. And it really was. It was well lit. I remember people saying like, wow, you actually look really pretty on TV. Oh, yeah. That's that's not at all backhanded. (laughs) I know. I was like, um, thank you. You don't suck in that. It makes me laugh every time. So it it was memorable because I remember his performance. I remember your performance. (laughs) But but it goes to show that you said that that led to other things. Yeah, it really did. For you, that was just a brilliant brief moment where you got to show a lot of personality almost doing nothing thank you well that's jim jenkins yeah i mean he is a masterful director he really is i mean uh, uh, the commercials that i look at that i've worked with him on it's they're they're sitcoms they're 30 second sitcoms what what other um, ones have you worked on with him i did fedex i did uh a spot for embassy suites that's one of my favorite spots that he and I, uh, we still laugh about that particular spot. It only aired for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. but it was so funny. Uh, I did a spot for Marlboro, a, like European spot of some uh, sort. European it was like spot, the, sure. the <laughs> what's the thing that's like dip or yeah, whatever. The dip yeah. or Marlboro like dip. Really? Yeah, something like that. Snuff. 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 Is it snuff? Yes. yes. I didn't want to say that because it sounds weird. What, like a snuff film? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You did a European snuff film? I know, that's what it sounds like. And suddenly I feel like, what? No. Yeah, it was like the dip. You were in Europe. Are you, are you dead? <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. And I, so I think we've done five or six commercials together. There were a couple others that I did. And, I, and every time I see his spots, I know. I know, you know his vision it. so clearly. And it's, it just always makes me laugh. Him and David Shane. 
and so you, Kenny and all those guys at O Positive are and you work with a t- I mean, you've done a lot of commercial work. Thank and you. you. So and do you. Developed, uh, but you've developed a, a, like these relationships with these directors that you work over. When you go into an audition and you somehow know that the director, who the director is going to be, um, you know the tone too. You know, yeah, like you, you know what they are looking for. It doesn't mean that you're going to get cast. No, I mean, there's no, been it, spots that I've auditioned in. for. Yeah. Because you know, it's keep it simple, keep it small because the comedy is in the writing. The comedy right, is right. in the expressions. Sure. That sort of deadpan reaction that really does. It makes you outwardly laugh when it's, you know, frozen on someone's face <laughs> and that blank stare. So yeah, I've, I've been really lucky that I've been able to work with directors that kind of taught me the, the art of, Commercials, yeah, and commercial and, and acting. It is, and it is its own thing. It really is. Although I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's changing a little bit. I don't know mm-hmm. because it's, it seems like for the longest time it was like, no, no you keep it. You, I'd go into an audition room, and if you're in there with somebody else, I invariably hear one of the people in front of the camera um, get the get the note of you know smaller. We need yes. smaller. We need smaller. We need smaller. And they pound you, uh, pound that into you. But it's almost like nowadays. There's like a little bit more crazy going on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely I see that as well. I think because of the sitcoms that we have on air too, Mm. a lot of like the prototypes, um, the Julie Bowens, Mm -hmm. you know, and Julie Bowen. I think the latter parts of of Modern Family seasons, she has gone a little bit bigger Mm -hmm. and broader with the comedy. Not in a bad way. It's actually hilarious. It's you know more physical comedy Doesn't for seem to her. Hurt him. No, God. Yeah. well, I think that show is flawless, soup to nuts. Mm. I mean, I really, I think that's one of the best sitcoms on TV, mm. and I, I just, I love that show My so much. Raves enough. about the show all the time. I but think yeah. it's great. I, I, they find the balance too. I don't know how they do it, but in the what is it? The show is 22 minutes and 22 mm. minutes. They will make you laugh, but then you'll be crying by the end too. It's I love really that stuff. I, me I, too. You can do that. I think that's like as an, as, as, as a performer, uh, I just had this conversation with somebody else where it's like, if you can just make them feel something, yes, it's everything's palatable. You yeah. Know? If they're going in there thinking it's a comedy, but they end up feeling like some other emotion. It's Oh, like, it's so great. That's so yeah. Like give that to them. And they Why really not? do. It's every yeah. week. They give us a gift that it cast the writing, the directors. It's, it's. I mean, t- to me, it is like the best sitcom right now of of our of our time. I mean, I grew up watching old sitcoms like the Carol Burnett. Oh yeah, show yeah. and like we kind of we kind of had the benefit of being. Uh, the first generation to be able to see things in syndication. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, my mom was great. My mom and dad both sat me down and would have me watch the Not Ready for Primetime Players. Oh, good for them. They would put me in front of the TV with the VHS tapes of old SNL. And I remember watching Chevy Chase do Pratt Falls. It's why I love physical comedy still. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned VHS tapes or just recording. I still period. have them, yeah. Again, it was like we were the first... We're the first generation who got to do that. I know. You know, and it's, in it's some so ways cool. it's weird because it's like time has ceased to matter in terms of popular culture because mm-hmm. anything you want to see or hear, you can go see it today. Yeah, it's amazing. When, when we were growing up, if somebody had it on a tape, mm-hmm. you could see it. Yeah. Or if they re-ran it, you could see it. But like back in the 50s and 60s, it was like you had no choice. Yeah. You know, it's like if you missed it, you missed it. The fact that you can see a Broadway show at the Lincoln Center Library, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Like, yeah, that, exactly. How cool is that? Exactly. But I, I also think that it makes it a little bit harder to create something that's unique and stands on its own and it stands as a kind of like a, 
uh, an encapsulation of this moment in time mm -hmm. because it's going to exist forever. Yes. So it's interesting that that like we benefit from that and also it creates new challenges for us. Mm -hmm. But enough about that philosophical stuff. <laughs> All right. So so um, this is and it's like the, the time is flying. So I want to make sure we hit a couple things. Um, so you you had the um, New York Lotto spot and that helped you get into legit. What was your first big legit job? You figure. Uh, film, let's say. Um, film and TV. Well, I did... Um, hmm. I would say it was probably... Well, I mean, I did little bit parts here and there. I did the movie Confessions of a Shopaholic, and I was cut out of it. Oh. But that was sort of my big, you know, big budget film. Mm -hmm. But it was a great learning experience. And it was phenomenal. I worked with Isla Fisher and Kristen Ritter, who I had actually worked with a couple of other times on independent films. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did a movie called Being Michael Madsen, and that was kind of my my way in in the independent film world. What was, that, was that? It was a movie where I was part of a documentary filmmaking team that was sort of turning the tables on the paparazzi. Okay. And so it was like a mockumentary movie with Michael Madsen, and Virginia Madsen was also mm -hmm. in it. Other celebrities had guest appearances and sort of... You didn't know if this was actually real or fake. Okay. Um, so it was a really awesome film. We shot it in Connecticut, mm -hmm. and then they shot the other half in L.A., but we were these documentary filmmakers that were kind of chasing after the paparazzi and, and seeing cool. what it was like for them to be followed. So you were in character... But you were, it was, was it scripted or was it? Mm -hmm. It was scripted. Yeah. And I was a part of this documentary film crew and I was the boom operator. So I actually had to learn how to boom, oh, which was, interesting. I, so now I always bow down to boom operators because yeah, my yeah. God, my arms were killing me and my back with that big thing around me. Mm -hmm. It was, but it was awesome. And that was like my first kind of major film for me, at least where it was a bigger part. It wasn't just like a day player mm -hmm. role. And, um, you know, I learned a lot. It was indie film. So, you know, time, it's, it's a time crunch. You're yeah, shooting yeah. in Because they don't have the budgets to, to do it for six, seven, eight months. Yeah. They got to do it quick and they got to do it right. And you got to do it, you know, now. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. That is great. I mean, I, I, I think nowadays I probably give you a good background working on that pace for doing TV. Oh yeah. Which is becoming such a big thing now. Mm -hmm. Um that you don't have time to to, to mess around, you know. Yeah, there's no dilly dallying week, you know. It's like, yeah, so um, You have to show up on set ready to work. Absolutely. But that's yeah. why I think the audition process is so great because the the casting directors really are parlaying the information that they know, mm -hmm. especially if it's like a well-oiled machine, like a TV show that's been running for years, they know exactly what these directors and producers want. Yeah. So they're really helping us. They're there to work with us, direct us if the producers and directors aren't in the room. So I really am so grateful for a lot of the casting people that have helped me and given me chances and various takes to yeah, and I think that's what people don't explore the even roles. in the business like actors that I know who who get angry at casting directors and 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 I think a lot of it's just like like uh, their self-conscious feelings mm -hmm. and and coming out but you know they get mad and they they think that the cast directors there to prevent them from getting a job when it's like the complete opposite yeah I always say you're invited if you're if you get an audition you're getting an invitation to a party, basically. Yeah. You're invited to the party. 
there's a million other people that are standing waiting outside wishing for that invite. Yeah. yeah. So it's like they are on your side if they're bringing you in. Absolutely. And they don't want us to fail. They want us to succeed because then if we're going to fail, that's a waste of their time. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing us in for a reason. So it's always sort of know that and walk in feeling like, oh, hey, I'm here for a reason. So yay. Yay me yeah. for getting the audition. Yeah. Because that's yeah. a lot of the times that's like... That's the best part. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, but getting the role, getting the role. No, it's it's making an impression on these people and then being able to be brought back in. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get the right project. Right. I mean, Rosalie Josephs, I love that woman. I used to audition for her as a kid. And when she booked me on Body of Proof, I remember thinking, you know, how lucky am I that she could see me playing a Serbian killer? (laughs) I mean, you know, you don't necessarily look at me and think Serbian killer, but she thought, no, I'm going to take a chance, bring her in. And, and, that's and then I booked it up doing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And how, how, for me, that was, you know, one of the best and biggest things that I did, the guest star episodic. It was I'm sure that's, and I'm sure that has helped. I'm using that word you, phenomenal a lot. I like right. that word. Yes. Phenomenal. It's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal word. word, isn't it? You're allowed to use phenomenal <laughs> as many times as you like. I well, think, we're clocking in at like, you know, 20 times I've used it. I'm I sorry. I don't think the podcast police are going to come. <laughs> They're coming. They're Want to know where the kid is and take you away. <laughs> <laughs> you said that there was a phenomenal child living in this apartment <laughs> who goes to school down the block. <laughs> I'm hiding them. No, that's terrible. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> creepy. That is kind of creepy yeah that's what improv no there's a dog sitting behind me if you've if you've heard a little rustle in the background not just construction but my my sweet little dog has been sitting on the chair with me this entire time the the most appropriately sized dog i think i've ever seen yes for the person and the uh, apartment and and the city yes that dog is ideal she is she has not made a sound no she is a very quiet dog i call her lil short for lily tomlin once again (laughs) you see my inspiration with comedy I hope I meet Lily Tomlin and I can show her a picture of, oh, brilliant. of yeah. my dog and that, say she is inspired well, by that you. Be, that wouldn't be brilliant. You know what that would be? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No. <laughs> my earbuds fell out. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an honest reaction. So I'm funny. so sorry. Can you hear you now? Yeah, oh, just, yeah, there oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> so sorry. I'm trying to be so good because normally I have the mouth of a truck driver. But this is a podcast. I'm really trying really to matter. rein it in. See, I don't, I, 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 I can drop I the F bomb like it, every other. Which is fine, you know? Seriously, <laughs> for me, it's like, I don't care what people say on this show, and I'm not going to really market this to tender ears anyway because. <laughs> As much as I find it fascinating what we're talking about, I don't think the average seven-year-old's going to be like, hey, did you hear the last <laughs> podcast Dave did? So I don't think we're harming anything by cursing. You know, I, just, I just don't curse. because yeah. I. But when I do, I want it to mean something. Oh, yeah. That's my goal. Is, yeah. And that's my strategy is to be like, Dave just cursed. We all better shut up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like that. But I curse so much. So it's like, oh, it's second nature. That's the, uh, that's we're the, used uh, to that. That's word. the Coughlin in you. Coughlin yeah, in you. Coughlin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we run out of complete, there's, there's two things I want to make sure we brought up. Yes. Um, the first would be a picture you posted on Facebook. Ooh. It's you at a podium. Your yes. fingers in the air in mid 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 word mid sentence yes. with this very instructive look on your face, mm-hmm. but standing five feet behind you on the same stage is, is Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro. What I was know. that? 
So I was uh, very fortunate to host the Closing Night Awards for the Tribeca Film Festival last year in 2013. How? And, and, and not I because I doubt Amazing. you are qualified for it, but how did that come around? Um, I was very, again, I'm using the same words. It's really interesting when you hear yourself, the, the words that you <laughs> use, blessed, fortunate, phenomenal. Uh, so uh, this w- woman, Nancy, who is with the Tribeca Film Festival, uh, I have a friend that works for Tribeca, and Nancy has this uh, incredible charity um, that is for uh, controlling gun control. Okay. Sorry. Let's see. Now now my brain is like shutting down. So you're starting to doubt. It's I'm doubting everything I'm saying because I'm hearing myself. Free your mind. I'm free, free my mind. Um, it's sort of demanding change and it was a rally in Hartford, Connecticut and uh, people from... You know, actually I remember you posting about that on Facebook. Yes, it okay, really yeah. was. It's... That day will always stay with me. It was on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day and mm-hmm. people from Sandy Hook and uh, Columbine yeah. and um, pretty heavy stuff. Families and yeah, children that had survived. It was the most incredible day of my life. And Christine Bransky and I co-hosted this rally. Wow. Uh, my friend Carrie had recommended me to this woman, Nancy, who is also associated with the Tribeca Film Festival. And it really, that day changed my life. Hmm. And at the end of it, Nancy had said, hey, you know, I know you've got two films at the festival. I had a short that I had done with Cody Blue Snyder, D. Snyder's son from Twisted Sister oh, okay. called Fool's Day, which was awesome. And then uh, this thing called Future States, which um, is sort of associated with PBS. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. So she said, look, I have something coming up. I want you to just expect a call. And I, you know, people say that all the time and I'm like, no, I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I didn't know what she was going to ask me to do, but oh, wow. sure enough, like the week before she reached out and she said, Hey, do you want to host the closing night awards for the Tribeca film festival? That's insane. I'm not going to lie. I peed my pants a little bit. I was, Don't blame you. I was petrified. I thought, no way can I do this. And I think my instant reaction was no. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. that word came out. No. Yes. No, yes. And she said, you know, don't worry, I'll send you a script and everything. And I got the script the hour before. (laughs) The hour before the award ceremony. And luckily, I was just, you know, as the host, you're just kind of introducing these fabulous people like Whoopi Goldberg and Mira Sorvino and Kenneth Lonergan and all these, like, just awesome people. So I was totally nervous because I knew Robert De Niro was in the building and I just thought let me not say something stupid yeah right and in that because I can clearly tell you what happened in that moment it was the end of the award ceremony now this award ceremony the recipients were standing and drinking and they were kind of in the back area okay a lot of people didn't hear when they were winning awards and they were winning amazing awards oh wow (laughs) And they were winning like 50 grand, 10 grand to make, you know, their next movie. It was really kind of yeah, awesome. Something. So it was a little bit, the, the award ceremony was, was nerve wracking because, you know, people weren't coming up to the podium when they were hearing their name <laughs> winning these awards. And yeah, so it was there in a minute. It made, it made for some really great comedy. Actually, bet, Kenneth yeah. Lonergan had made some really great jokes and Taraji P. Henson was so funny when she got up there and said like, you just won $50,000. Get up on this stage. Yeah, right. So funny. But, uh, in that moment, it was the last award of the night and people finally kind of were like, oh wow, Robert De Niro is up on that stage. Yeah. 
And I don't know what came over me, but I said, thank you so much for coming out to the award ceremony. And then I pointed to the sign. I said, and don't forget, if you have those tiny leaves around your film saying the Tribeca Film Festival, that means you're fucking awesome. Oh, <laughs> man. And I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. And I just heard Robert De Niro say, yeah. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. this great moment of, like, him being like, yeah, this is, like, the Tribeca Film Festival. Not in, like, a cocky way, but, like, yeah, it's I, awesome. Everybody I, yeah. is really <laughs> fucking lucky. Sorry, dropping the F-bomb, but it was just this great moment. And I love that the the photographer caught that moment. It's such a brilliant picture. It's I, I so wanna, great. If I can, I'll, I'll, I'll make it part of... of Oh, that'd be great. Post this because I think it's just such a brilliant moment of time. Yeah, me pointing because those tiny leaves, it really does. I mean, that makes your movie legit. Yeah, Yeah. it's that and Con and Sundance Sundance. and yeah, South by Southwest. I mean, there's amazing five, top ten, you know, whether it's top five, top ten, doesn't matter. Yeah. Anything on that level. Yeah. Attached to a film that you do. Yeah. It's worth talking about to anybody. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I was so, I mean, the fact that I got to host that was ridiculous. I remember sitting in the green room talking with Kenneth Lonergan and thinking, what am I doing here? This is completely surreal. Yeah. And these people were just shooting the shit with me like we were, you know, like we were buddies. Isn't that awesome? It was so cool. It's like people who don't realize how much you are they are they are making your month week year oh yeah decade by just including you in their conversation oh it was great the the smile on my face the ear to ear big ass smile was so genuine yeah because it was you know such an awesome opportunity and i bow down to nancy for letting me not just with the rally for you know demanding change of of gun control Mm -hmm. and um, but also being fortunate enough to do the, the 2013 Tribeca Film Festival Awards. <laughs> As for by name. <laughs> I think it's so, still out there, too. You can watch it online. I, it's, the, it, the, <laughs> the story behind it is even better than I, than I, than I thought. It was, just en- it was enough to ask the proximity to Robert De Niro, but yeah, that's, that's, so an, cool. that's awesome. All right, yeah. so in the time we have left, I want to talk about your new film. Yes. Let's talk about it. My Man is a Loser. <laughs> I'm so and excited. Let's talk about your film, though. <laughs> hey! Um, yeah, it comes out July 25th uh, in select theaters and also on demand. At the same so can, time. Yes, you can watch it from the comforts of your own home or go see it on a big screen, which I highly recommend seeing it on a big screen because it's kind of awesome. There is something very unique about seeing it on a big screen. Yeah. But it's it's, it's going to be my first time seeing it on a big screen. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? Yeah. Well, I did get an advanced copy last okay. week. Oh. So I was able to watch it. I watched it on my computer. So it's totally different. It's going to be different with an audience, too. I was sitting alone in my apartment and uh-huh. freaking out and yeah. totally judging everything I was yeah, of doing. Course, of course. Yeah, it was, it was uh, I remember drinking a shot of bourbon, like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be tough. I can't watch myself. It is. It's really hard to watch yourself. It's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, period. I can't. I, it's uh, it's yeah. going to be tough. I don't think I've ever audience. looked at myself on a screen and not went, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just oh, really hard, impossible to do. Yeah. Right, but tell me, tell, tell, give us the give us the basics about the movie. So it's it's a romantic comedy, and it basically revolves around Michael Rappaport is my husband mm-hmm. in the movie, and Brian Callen uh, are two guys who work together, and basically they're they're screwing up in their marriages, and not in a horrible way, but they're just they're not showing up. So they basically go to John Stamos, who's like a love guru, um, <laughs> because he's the single guy and uh, Tika Sumter basically help 
Michael Rappaport and Brian Callen become better husbands to myself and Heidi Arn Brewster, which are we are their their wives in the movie. Mm-hmm. And this was my first lead role, and it's that's a big totally deal. exciting and terrifying all at the same time. That's I re- awesome. we shot it two years ago too, so this is wow. like a two year in the making feeling so excited and now that it's actually happening it's like holy crap it's actually happening yeah that's awesome i mean to 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 reach a new level in your career is a is a big thing no matter what oh yeah and never expecting to book this part by the way how how did it come never expecting pat mccorkle was the casting director Uh and i worked with my acting coach on it um and i was working with anthony abeson and he and I worked on the script, and I remember I was at a party the night before for a casting director, and I said, I got to go. I have to go book this movie tomorrow. And I, I just loved the role so much. I loved Leanne. I just thought she was so cool, and she was a mom, and she was so sex-crazed and <laughs> working out all the time. And, you know, a little bitchy, but, you know, just because she wasn't satisfied in her her life and filling the void by exercising, which is so opposite of me. It's like, that is not, I wish I could fill the void by exercising. It's got to make you feel good that you can cast a role that makes you seem as though you, you're obsessed with that. With exercise. exercise. You know? I know I had, to, my sister's a big yoga instructor and okay. I had to do yoga. Thank God. It's such a fast scene in the movie because I uh, thought it's, I am, she's going to be so embarrassed for me. Uh, like, you know, I basically said, can I just do the downward dog and then like the tree pose? Right. Cause that was all I knew and they thought oh geez um but Pat McCorkle cast it and I I went in and Mike Young was the first time it's the first time writer director and he was there and he's young and cool and funny and he's a stand-up comic as well Mm -hmm. and the script was great and I knew that Michael Rappaport was already attached and Brian Callen and John Stamos and I thought easy to walk into that oof I mean no pressure there yeah right so Uh, You know, I went in and he had just gotten a new phone and I remember making a joke with him about the phone. And I I think I said, you know, oh, do you want me to help you? It might have been an iPhone or Mm -hmm. he had just gotten a BlackBerry and I said, I'm going to send obscene text messages from your phone. (laughs) And I couldn't believe like, you you know, you don't say that to a director in an audition room. But fortunately it worked because he kind of laughed and he was like, wow, but it broke the ice. Good for you. And I did the scenes and I did it once. And his response was, that's it. Thanks. Now, actor brain hearing that, I left and I remember crying. Uh, of course. I walked in. I was wearing exercise gear and heels because that's how I pictured Leanne, that I nice. would be wearing heels and exercise that's clothing. Brilliant. And I thought, oh, that's it. Like, that's it. Get out. Don't you love that? But it was, that's it. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Sure. So then I, I you know, I didn't do a producer session. I didn't, I got a call two and a half, three weeks later from my agent saying, hey, guess what? You booked my man as a loser. And I remember just openly sobbing, Did you, was, like weeping. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, it's, it's just goes to show. And, and, you know, I think we've all been there who have been in the audition room. Yeah. To go by any response you get in the audition room. Yeah, you can't trust it. It's the biggest mistake ever because it doesn't mean anything. It like, really doesn't. Yeah. Things we think like, wow, that sucked. And then you book it mm-hmm. or vice versa where you walk out and you're like, yeah, that felt great. Yeah. And then it's like crickets and tumbleweed. You don't hear yeah. a thing. And you don't hear anything. Yeah. Like, it's like you, but you don't hear anything. I know. It's no like feedback. The, nothing. It's the most silent silence ever. Yeah. It's deafening. <laughs> when, yeah. When you think you did great and then you hear nothing. Yeah. 
It's really good for the ego. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> it's like the closest I think we'll ever get to a real-life version of Sandra Bullock in Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It really is. There's nobody there. There's contact. nobody. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Can you hear Hello? me? <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> Anybody? I swear. I'm an actor. <laughs> Anybody want to cast me? <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's super exciting. And, I, you know, this we wrapped. I wrapped, I think, July 5th. And so, wow. you know. Two years later. Two years and 20 days later. But who's counting? Wow. I am. <laughs> where does it work? Uh, what which is it select you said select theaters select theaters new york la atlanta i Uh think chicago as well and then and then worldwide on demand which is awesome whatever your cable or uh is it internet provider yeah just whatever pay-per-view is these days yeah awesome yeah it's super exciting i'm really i can't can't wait for people to see the movie because i think it's really funny and I think, you know, the fact that I got to play Michael Rappaport's wife was just so awesome. I, I've always felt like he was like the actor's actor. He and, is. And is he, was he, how was he work with? I only Amazing. Say that, I can kind of guess what the answer would be. Yeah, he yeah. was so cool. First of all, he is like a New York staple, even though he lives in L.A. Uh-huh. You, you just see him and you think like he's a New Yorker. Yeah. And he just has, he gives off that vibe and he's so just like, yeah, he's like New York character. I remember they did a lovely cast dinner the week before, which was really awesome. So we could all sit down and kind of meet one another. Wow. Heidi Armbruster could not be there. So I was the only quote unquote un- unknown actor that was in this, wow. you know, in the lead category. Uh-huh. So it was Tika Sumter, John Stamos, Brian Callen, and Michael Rappaport, and then myself. And I remember, <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this, the <laughs> night before... I knew that Michael Rappaport loved the Yankees and I sort of follow baseball, but I kind of follow the Mets. And so I did so much research on the Yankees <laughs> and then like watched the game that morning. And so I was super excited. They were against the Detroit Tigers, I think that day. And so I went in and I was like chatting about baseball, but it was basketball season. At <laughs> And I remember it was like Miami Heat and John Stamos had made a joke and he's like, oh, it's basketball season. They're going to be talking about basketball. And I looked at him and I was like, I am screwed. I did all this research about baseball. You watched an old game from 1972. I basically did. I like was turning on the Yes Network. I was like, oh, the Yankee Network. I'll just watch that and learn anything and everything I can and try to like quote stuff. Meanwhile, this man knows more about music than oh, any really? person I've ever met in my life. And, I mean, he did a documentary called... Um, uh, I'm gonna oh, what was it? Beats, Rhymes. Uh, it was about Tribe Called Quest. Oh, right, 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 right. And it was the coolest movie, and I had completely forgotten that he had done that movie. And so then, I mean, I'm a music nerd, so mm-hmm. sitting with him, I was like, oh, my God, probably teach me, like, master. Yeah, probably he, just say a couple words and let him, let him go. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. That man is like the has knowledge of anything and everything. It was That's so cool. awesome. And to play his wife was really cool because... We did have fun chemistry, and his amazing girlfriend was so great when I had met her, and mm-hmm. she was like, he's having a really good time with you, and I took that as such a compliment because, you know, you want to have chemistry, and, and yeah, you want to be able yeah. to have the audience believe that, you know, you're a couple, and I really did because we developed this amazing friendship over the, the time that we had together in a very short time, too. That's beautiful. Yeah. My my man is a loser. My man is a loser. Go see it. I know. July 25th. I can't wait. That's so awesome. I hope that you guys don't think I suck in it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I hope you think I'm phenomenal. Phenomenal. Lovely. Amazing. I don't know. No, I just hope that you guys fry. Laugh. Fr- fry. Would you like to be day. my fry? Fry your end. Fry, fry my fry friend. End. That's right. How, where, where do people find you online to become your fryer? You, you fry can end. you can fry my end. Uh, <laughs> that's weird. That's, see, we've all we've gone to shit. Now I'm cursing. That's <laughs> the latter part of the podcast. If you're still listening, thank you. Yes, thank <laughs> you. You can find me on Twitter. Us. I'm okay. at uh, at Searle Kathy. Okay, why not Kathy Searle? Somebody else had it. Isn't that the worst? I know. Mitch and I, I was going to say Kathy Searle 307, but that's like, because that's my birthday, oh, okay. March yeah. 7th. Yeah. But I was like, no, because then I don't want people to think like, oh, there's 300, 306 other Kathy Searles <laughs> on Twitter. You're like a grandma. Yeah, like, I, yeah. Really overthinking it. Yeah. Your name is unavailable. Here's just uh, your name and... <laughs> 307 yeah basically yeah right yeah Yeah, but i'm i'm at searle kathy on twitter yeah Yeah. follow me and and i'm gonna do i think i'm gonna probably live tweet at the premiere this is you know a big premiere for me so i'll be tweeting pictures and and, uh everybody's gonna be tweeting so good for you yeah congratulations thank you congratulations to you for what you're on fire working all the time brilliant on nurse jackie Uh, but you know hail it's not about me it's it is about about you it's not about work and actor i like it (laughs) it makes us happy new york actors that are working that is true it happens when it happens yeah yeah anyway thank you for doing this thank you for letting me play this was awesome thank you you're you're phenomenal (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you there you have it, Kathy Searle, total pro, lots of energy, very entertaining, very funny, and a lot of fun to sit down and chat with. Check her out online, kathysearle.com, or find her on Twitter, at Kathy, and do go see her film, My Man is a Loser, with Michael Rappaport, Brian Callen, Tika Sumter, and John Stamos, but really, go see it for Kathy. Find out more information at mymanisaloser.com, or just go see it at a theater near you, or on demand. Check your... Uh, cable company for information on how to do that thank you kathy and uh, best of luck with this one it was a lot of fun having you on the show that does it for another edition of bring your own lunch episode two in the books gotta thank banuba for providing the music once again they are terrific check them out banuba.net for where they'll be live as well as uh, music downloads go check them out they're they're really really good Uh, The New York Short Film Shootout, don't forget that, July 28th, 8 p.m. at this theater, 154 West 29th Street in New York City. It's going to be a fun night of short films. Come join us. Look for us on Facebook for that one. And uh, don't forget to check out this theater, thistheater.com. It'll be something else soon, but uh, check out thistheater.com for all the shows that they are putting up at that great new venue. For us, don't forget to check us out, bringyourownlunch.com. Like us on Facebook, just look for Bring Your Own Lunch. And uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at B-Y-O-L Podcast. That does it for me and another edition of Bring Your Own Lunch, B-Y-O-L. Next week, we have another great guest lined up. Check us out on Tuesday. And uh, that'll do it. Stay tuned for the Jimmy Jack Cow Punch Hour, followed by Mansoor and the Fish. Until then, this is Dave. I'll see you next Tuesday. Tuesday.